Hi, I'm Adam Davidson with National Public Radio's Planet Money Podcast. It is September 22nd. It's Monday at 11.36 a.m. We're having to say exactly when we are uh, talking this week because things are moving so quickly that, uh, that what we say now might many of it, much of it might change by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, right now, the uh, we are looking at the legislative proposal from the Treasury Department to Congress. Just a few minutes ago, Senator Chris Dodd um, gave his sort of democratic response, a separate bill. We thought it would be fabulous to hear from John Macy, who is deputy dean of Yale Law School and more to the point, uh, a leading specialist in Business law, banking law, the interaction between the government uh, and the banking and financial system. Boy, John, it, it sounds like an interesting week for someone with all of those specialties. Not It is an interesting week, the most interesting I've ever had, in fact, I would say. In terms of my own academic specialties. Oh, by the way, I should mention Laura Conaway, of course, is is here. Um, good morning, Laura. Um, so, John, I was thinking that a guy like you, who who has spent, you've spent your entire life studying banking and securities law, and my hunch is you're sort of everything you do is looking at decisions made in the 1930s that have impacted your entire lifetime. Sure, there have been big changes since then, but really the core drumbeat of American commerce, the core laws were set then, and you weren't around then, and you might have felt, well, I'll never be around for a period that historic, no longer. Is that – am I right on that? That's exactly right. This is uh, – this is is just as important and just as, as historic as the as the events of the 1930s and um, – uh, and 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 any any remorse I felt at not being around then, I've, I I feel as though it's been compensated for. Can we jump in on one particular part of this, um, which is the power shift? When I look at the early going of this this bill, it feels to me like there's an awful lot of power that Congress is handing over to the Treasury Secretary. And I'd like to read, if that's okay. Yeah, just this is it, the le- legislative proposal for Treasury authority to purchase troubled assets, Draft Nine Twenty One Oh Eight. This came out yesterday, Sunday evening, um, and they're calling it the Trouble Asset Relief Act, Tara, Section Two, Paragraph B. Necessary actions. The Secretary, of course, meaning the Treasury Secretary, is authored to is authorized to take such actions as the secretary deems necessary to carry out the authorities in this act without limitation. That strikes me as really strong language, without limitation. It is very strong language. The the one thing that we learn from this document is that – is something new about the balance of powers that that wasn't so clear before, which is that um, the balance of powers is is really an opportunity – for Congress, uh, and they rarely have failed in the past to avail themselves of the opportunity to to assert themselves in their policy making uh, and influence uh, policy making. And, and obviously, what this legislation is 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 a, is a gambit to um, to deprive uh, essentially to deprive Congress of that um, for uh, at least with respect to the economy. So, placing this in a sort of constitutional context, first off, is is this just at a first read? Is is this bill constitutional? Can Congress give this much power to the executive? Shouldn't there be checks and balances? 
Well, the, 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 uh, the, this is – we're watching the checks and balances. That is, you know, the, the response by people like uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chris Dodd saying, well, we don't want to give up this power. Um, you know, that, that's their constitutional prerogative. But if they, if they give it up, no one's going to second-guess that, that decision. At least, you know, the, the, the courts are not going to do so, and certainly the executive branch isn't. We're talking about the Treasury Secretary buying some assets. I mean, sure, it's a lot of assets, but is it really that big a power shift? He's basically being given a, you know, a credit card and told, all right, go spend it however you want. But he can't declare war. He can't, you know, it's not the Patriot Act. He can't listen in on our phone calls. I mean, it's, is this really that big a power shift? Um, it is because he basically is given the power to shape the economy in the sense that he is able to decide which financial institutions get to survive and which financial institutions don't uh, get to survive. Uh, there's no there's no uh, limitation with respect to figuring out the price or to the k- kind of financial institutions uh, that are included. So, for example, you know, people typically kind of people most people who are following this th- believe that this is about financial institutions the way that the 1930s regulation Glass-Steagall was about was about banks but but this is much broader than that for example under this legislation uh the 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 uh, automobile companies the big 3 auto companies would not have to go to congress for a bailout uh the uh the treasury could just buy their uh, bad assets and pump money into them that way so so basically this is is turning over to the treasury plenary authority to determine the winners and losers in the economy. Can you give us a, a, a another example in history of this kind of power shift? Uh, Anything no. this big? No. Uh, no. Yeah, I mean, even the even the um, uh, uh, even the you know the Patriot Act or even the you know Declaration of War um, it was still brought with it a substantial. Uh, oversight, if not for anything else, because Congress retained the ability to, um, you know, authorize spending. But, it, you know, it, of course, in this legislation, uh, if you look at um, uh, uh, Section 10, the ma- maximum amount of, of authorized purchases, um, this this includes the authority to spend, uh, you know, the $700 billion that's been so much in the press. The the other section that really caught my eye was, and a lot of other people's eye, was Section 12, and I'm going to read that. Decisions by the Secretary, again, Treasury Secretary, pursuant to the authority of this act are non-reviewable and committed to agency discretion, meaning, of course, I guess, the, the Department of the Treasury, and no injunction or other form of equitable relief may be issued by any court of law or any administrative agency. What I mean is—is is that unusual, or is that kind of standard bureaucratic language? Uh, it's very unusual. Um, It's—it is—it is essentially, I think, uh, constitutional in the sense that that uh, you know the Constitution gives uh, Congress the power to define the jurisdiction uh, of the of the federal courts. Um, so the the to the extent that the you know the 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 section is limited in, 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 in the sense that only decisions by the secretary are non-reviewable. Um, so that, that leaves a little bit of, uh, of, of a glimmer for some judicial um, uh, incursion into this. But have, have, do you know of any other bill that, that says this someone in the government can never be reviewed in any way? 
Is, no, is, not in not in not in economic legislation. There may be some, you know, legislation I'm unfamiliar with with respect to national security, but but nothing related to the economy has ever had a provision anything like this. I want to read uh, an email you sent me earlier today. Okay, <laughs> this email was: um, I don't think that there has ever been such a power shift, even in time of war, and that's because you think uh, in war there is oversight. This is truly unprecedented. I don't think any other administration would have had the chutzpah to do this, even Nixon. Roosevelt would find it amusing, but he wouldn't have dreamed of going this far. Bush Paulson obviously want Congress way, way out of the loop for some reason. I was okay, going to ask if you agree with that, but you wrote it. so <laughs> I wrote it, and I stand by it. Yes, I do, uh, Adam. This is, what do you mean by chutzpah? Why, why is this um, – I'm going to use some Yiddish. Why is this chutzpah, Dick? Okay. Well, it's chutzpah because – uh, w- the main reason is because, n- and, and perhaps the reason no other president would have attempted this, is nobody would have thought it would succeed. Um, uh, you know, you'd come, you'd imagine you're going to a partner you've been working with the last uh, 200 years, 250 years, and you say, well, I want to remove you from, deci- I'm not going to fire you, you still have your job, you can still be called Congress, but you don't have any more power. Uh, uh, and, and certainly with respect to, you know, the power of the purse, uh, you know, you, you're just going to give us a blank check. Um, it's it's incredible to think that um, uh, that we, we will that that essentially the executive branch can bluff Congress uh, into or play a chicken game with Congress, which is really what it is, into um, uh, abdicating their core uh, legislative powers. So we're going to get a whole new economic landscape out of this. And I think that's right, I, and I think a, a whole new uh, political landscape as well, Laura, because uh, the, the you know this message this sends is that from a sort of political science point of view is when you have real crisis, the way to deal with it is to get Congress out of the way and let the president act unilaterally. That's what's really uh, so remarkable about this. It says, you, Congress, you're only going to be sand in the gears of our efforts to fix this problem, so you got to get out of our way, or you're or you're part of the problem. And as far as I can tell, uh, the leadership in Congress seems persuaded because they're saying, "Well, we want to push back a little bit, but we certainly understand we can't get in the way of this." Thank you so much, John Macy of Yale Law School, and thank you, Laura Conaway of Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson with NPR's Planet Money. Crisis Week 3 coverage continues at npr.org slash money.